Morning, Oakwood. Last night uh, before I went to bed, uh, and I stayed up way too late watching storm coverage, but there was a tornado that hit uh, El Reno, and this morning when I turned on the news, learned of a couple fatalities, and there were still some people missing, and a couple of them were children, and maybe they'd been taken to a shelter or with a relative, we don't know. But I just want to ask that you join with me, and let's just go to the Lord and, and ask God to, to comfort those people, and their first responders that are literally going through that rubble, and we don't know if they'll find additional uh, victims. But let's just lift that, those families up. Lord, as we come today... Father, our hearts are, are heavy and, and saddened by the, the loss of life from the storm last night. And Lord, I know that there are families that are distraught right now, uh, searching for their loved ones that may be taken by a, a relative somewhere or maybe in a shelter somewhere. And they just don't know, they don't know yet whether they're going to find additional bodies and, and deceased. Lord, we just want to lift up those families and those first responders today. Lord, for those families that have suffered that great loss and lost a loved one, Lord, I just pray that you surround them with people that will minister and comfort and just meet their need. Lord, for those that are, that are just frantically looking for their loved ones, Father, I pray you give them peace. And Lord, we pray that those children will be found safe and that they're okay. Lord, it's a, a tragedy, but Lord, we know that you are still on your throne this morning. We thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Thinking about my sermon title, Finding God This Week, I thought about when was the last time I truly was lost? You know, it's really difficult to do now that pretty much every phone has got GPS navigation. Most of our cars have got built-in navigation. Or you can get a Garmin, you know, touchscreen. So it's really difficult to get lost. But I managed to do that. You know, if anybody could do it, it would be me. Last uh, fall, I was assigned to referee a college basketball game in Waxahachie, Texas, and it was a preseason tournament. And my traveling partner was also from Oklahoma. We met in Oklahoma City and traveled the rest of the way down to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I was the navigator. He was driving, and we got close to Dallas, and believe it or not, they had road construction. And so we got a detour, okay? Got a detour, and, you know, next thing we know, this detour, we had to detour again because of a bad accident that closed that road. And so I'm trying to tell him where to turn. The navigator's trying to get us back on, on track, and we ended up in a part of Dallas that I've never seen before. I mean, where there were bars on windows, and it's just like, this is not a good place to be. I said, Benny, we're lost. He goes, Alan, we're not lost. We just don't know where we are. He goes, there's a big difference. I'm like, oh, well, I feel so much better then. Well, we did obviously make our way out of that. But it reminded me that there are a lot of people looking for something that they don't even know what they're looking for. That's how they go through life. They know they're looking for happiness and maybe fulfillment, something to fill this empty spot in their lives. And what they're looking for is something that can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Tommy Tenney wrote a book called The God Chasers. In fact, he's got a whole movement out there called God Chasers. He's got a website. He's got this whole network here. You can get uh, T-shirts and ball hats, license plates. You can get in the, the podcast of The God Chasers. You can actually even get an e-newsletter called The God Chasers every week. Well, it's all based off of one verse, Psalm 63, verse 8, said, my soul follows hard after you. But he kind of based it off of the King James translation of that that says, my soul follows close behind you. Now, I love his heart, I love his motivation, but I'm not sure I completely agree with his whole theology on this issue because nowhere in the scripture do I find that we are required to go chase God down. That he's out there disappearing from us and we have to go find him. God never says to try to catch me if you can. In fact, he tells us just exactly the opposite. He wants to be found. God wants you to find him. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 29, which is our text today, He's speaking to the people that had been in Babylonian captivity. They were exiled. And he says, I'm going to bring you back. And this passage is one you're probably very familiar with, at least the first verse or two. Verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and come to and pray to me, and I will hear you. Listen to this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. Deuteronomy chapter 4, we find a similar message from the Lord. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart. In Proverbs verse 8 or chapter 8 verse 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. You see, we have a God who wants to be found. Nowhere do we find that God is doing kind of this big massive cosmic game of hide and seek that every time that we get close to him, he disappears and goes off into another galaxy and we can't find him. Where'd he go? I don't know. In fact, we're told just the opposite. God wants you to find him. The problem though in 2019 is I don't think there are a lot of people trying to find God anymore. There are too many people content to live life on their own To just go do their own thing without God. They have no desire for God, no desire for holiness, no desire for the spiritual things of God, and that's just fine with them. And they have no clue what they're missing. Now, before you get all riled up this morning and think, wait a minute, wait a minute, Alan, I know a lot of people that are seeking God. Romans 3, 10 and 11 says, there is no one who understands, there is no one who seeks God. You're thinking, well, wait a minute, I came to church this morning, so that must prove that I'm seeking God. If no one ever seeks Him, then how do we find Him? Jesus gives us the answer to that in chapter 6, verse 44 of John. 
No one comes to the Father unless the Father draws them. You see, it's not so much a matter of you and I chasing after God, but it's a matter of you and I getting ourselves in a position where God can chase us. He's pursuing after us. We're the ones on the run. And with our lives and busy schedules, honestly, we don't have time for God. And I think one of the greatest hindrances to becoming fully devoted followers of Christ is just the busyness of our lives. We rush from one activity to the next. The average family has something planned or will plan something just about every single night of the week. And we don't leave much time and room for God. Many Sundays for average families are either spent at a ball field, in a gymnasium, on a lake, on a golf course, or maybe just sleeping in. Planning something that really has no eternal value at all. And in the grand scope of things, they won't matter. And then we wonder why we can't find God. Why isn't my relationship with my spouse better than it is? Why do my kids get so disobedient? Why do I seem to struggle with just about every relationship, every area of my life? Why is there such a problem? Well, because we haven't found God. But the good news is for you this morning, okay? So I've got good news. You can find God, and you can have a face-to-face with God anytime you want. But you have to find Him first. But if you don't take time to find God, you're going to run around this earth always asking, where's God? Why can't I find Him? Why can't I have this great relationship with God? So if someone were to ask you this morning, where can I find God? Would you even know where to point them or how to direct them? Before I begin to tell you how we find God, I want to first tell you how we don't find God. You see, our world has got a lot of misconceptions on how we find God. So I'm going to start off with how we don't, and then I'm going to tell you how we do find Him. First off is you won't find Him reading books about Him. You see, when you read books about God, you're just going to learn more about God. You're not really going to get to know God. You won't get to know his heart, his righteousness, his holiness. And I'm afraid that most of us today don't need more head information and more knowledge about God, but we need more heart knowledge about God. Amen? You also won't find him listening to other people talk about him. If you watch a lot of Christian TV shows or programs, listening to other people talk about God, you think, well, then I'm going to find him. You're not going to find God that way, listening to other people talk about God on TV. You're not going to find God in circles around tables hearing other people talk about God. You're going to engage in a lot of conversations about God, but you're really not going to get to know God. You're also not going to get to find God and get to know Him by hanging around with people who've already found Him. Now, I don't know what you're thinking. Now, wait a minute. I've been told all of my life I need to have good Christian friends to associate with. That's a good thing. Yes, it is a great thing. But just because you're hanging around other people that have already found God doesn't mean that you're going to find Him. You can hang out in a bank all day long and still be broke as a joke, 
surrounded by millions of dollars, okay, and still be dead broke. Sometimes we think that that relationship with God is just going to kind of, by osmosis, gravitate toward us. It's just going to rub off. doesn't work that way. We hear of guilt by association, and so sometimes we think we can have God by association. You know, if I hang around godly people, then I'll suddenly become godly. It doesn't work that way. You also won't find Him as long as there are higher priorities in your life. And we talk a lot about that here, making God number one. I still believe that sin is the greatest hindrance in your relationship with God. So if you want to break fellowship with God, it's easy to do. Just sin. And it breaks, breaks fellowship with God. Pastor and author John Piper, he's got a, a, a great quote. I want you to listen to this, okay? If you don't feel a strong desire for the manifestations of the glory of God, it's not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things, and there's no room for the great. God did not create you for this. There's an appetite for God, and it can be awakened. You know, that's what I dislike about Mexican restaurants. I know there's a lot of people here, if you ask them, what's your favorite food? Oh, it's Mexican. Okay, what I dislike about a Mexican restaurant is that they always bring you the chips and dips as soon as they bring your water. And guess what? Most of us do. We nibble on the chips and dip, and then when our food comes, more people don't finish their, their food than, than probably do. Why? Because we've nibbled at the small stuff. We don't have time, or we're too full of the small stuff, and we don't have room left for the great stuff. You see, there are only so many hours in a, in a day and a week we only have so many compartments in our brain, and when we fill them with other things, unfortunately, we're telling God, God, I just don't have time for you. God, I just don't have any room because my brain's all full of these other things, and I, sorry, I've, I've just left you out. You also won't find him as long as you're content to live without him. Until you get desperate for a relationship with God, you're probably not going to have one. And often, that relationship comes from a broken experience. I tell people all the time, I really hope that you become desperate for God. Now, I'm not wishing that as bad things, but I hope that you get to a point in your life when God's all you've got. When everything that you've learned to depend on... Your finances, your marriage, your job, your kids, your, your security in your home or whatever it is. I really hope that you get to a point sometime in your life when you realize that God is all I have. And then you're going to realize, guess what, friends? God's all I need. And that's where he wants us to live all the time. So how do we find God? I want to give you six positive principles today real quickly to help you find God, okay? Number one, you've got to find the secret place. The what? The secret place. You've got to find where it is. You've got to get to know God. It's kind of called the sweet spot, okay? Now, baseball players over here, you probably can identify when you hit a ball in the sweet spot of the bat, you know it, don't you? 
That's where you always want to hit the ball, isn't it? Okay, by the way, I'm just going to stop right now. And uh, we, th- this whole section over here is with Pearl River baseball team from Mississippi. They are worshiping with us today. And... Uh, So if you're looking for another team to cheer for besides your hometown NOC Jets, I'm, I'm saying uh, root for these guys. So uh, glad to have you guys here today. But you know about the sweet spot of the bat. That's where you want to hit the ball. You want to find the secret spot. Where's that? We're going to talk more about that next week, but I'm going to give you a little kind of a taste of it. Psalm 91.1, it's actually a psalm written by Moses. He wrote Psalm 90 and 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the mighty. The King James says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the mighty. So you've got to get to the secret place, the sweet spot, and you've got to stay there. You've got to rest in the shadow of the Almighty, in the protection of God. I said we'll talk more about that next week. Second principle is when you find this secret place, you've got to spend time with Him. Now, you're really not going to get to know God if you don't spend time with Him. Now, I'm going to get personal for a moment here. Many of you will get a little devotional, and maybe it comes on your phone through an email or text message, and you get this little quick one-minute moment with God. And you give God one minute a day. And you think, God, I'm, I've done pretty good. I've given you one minute today. How well are you really going to get to know God in one moment? Now imagine of you that are, that are dating here in this room, how much you're going to get to know somebody and develop a great relationship and maybe eventually spend the rest of your life with this person only having one minute of communication a day. Now, a lot of us in our Christian lives, we don't even stay consistent with that one minute a day. It might be that one minute once a week or every other week. But yet we want to have this great relationship with God and we want to find God. Now, I'm not opposed, and I think those are great things to have those devotionals and those apps that send you messages in your little devotional thoughts. But I don't think a great relationship is going to happen and develop in one minute of communication today. Couples that are dating today, they are never out of communication. You can track each other's phones, you can text, you can instant message. And if you're not texting and communicating, you're talking on the phone or you're with somebody in person. Some of you may actually remember when you dated someone and you actually had to get out this archaic artifact called a piece of paper and an envelope and actually write a letter and you drop that thing in the mail or maybe you dated in a time before there were cell phones and you maybe had to call long distance and it was like a dollar or two a minute so you kept your conversations really short So we understand in the physical realm that we really don't develop a great relationship in one minute a day. How come we can't translate that to our spiritual relationship? You know, we think we can fire off a quick prayer, a really quick devotional, and have this incredible relationship with God. Doesn't work. 
You know, even going to church isn't enough. Now, I believe you should go to church. But if that's all you do is just spend one hour and give God one hour of your week, you're really not going to get to know Him. But when you really get to know God, then all of a sudden your worship is going to completely change because then you're not going to be focused on if it's too hot or if it's too cold, if it's too dark, too light, too loud, too quiet. Oh, I didn't like that song or the sermon was kind of a dud today. All those things won't matter because when you get to the secret spot and you stay there, all of a sudden it becomes so little about you and so much about him. Third principle is you've got to learn to listen to him first. Learn to listen to him first. And we live in a, in a world of noise. And too often we don't take time to listen to God. First thing most of us do when we get in a car is we flip on the radio and we don't live in silence. We don't allow God to speak to us. And then when we do take that one minute a day to talk with God, we say, God, I need this, and I need this and this, and oh yeah, if you could do this favor for me. We treat God more like Santa Claus than we do Almighty God. But when we get into that relationship with Him and we get in that secret place, it becomes so little about us and so much about Him that your great need of things that you have to have that is this big suddenly shrinks down to about this big. Jesus said, Seek first His kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So you've got to listen to God, and you do that by getting into His book. Not reading books about the book, but actually reading the book. Now, I'm not opposed to Christian books because I think there's a lot of great information that can be found in Christian books, but I know a lot of people who will read one Christian book after the other, but they don't read the book, but they read a lot of books about the book. God said, I want you to talk about my book. And the closer we get to God, the more we're going to listen to what he has to say to us. And that relationship gets deeper and deeper and we strive for more and more holiness fourth principle is you've got to develop a hunger for him not just a hunger for stuff not just a hunger for more answered prayers or all the things of life but a hunger for him there's a song based off of psalm 42 it says as the deer panteth for the water so my soul longeth after you Now, this morning, on Sundays, most of us kind of put on our God face and our God clothes and our God actions, and we kind of go through the motions of what we think we're seeking God. But what about Thursday afternoon, about 3 o'clock, when machinery begins to break down, when things begin to happen and your, you know, your schedule unravels? Things begin to turn into chaos very quickly. Are you still seeking after God then? That's probably when we ought to have church. It's about 3 o'clock on Thursday afternoon, isn't it? Are you still wanting to spend time with God? You have to develop a hunger for Him. And even that hunger comes from God because we're told 
John 6, 34, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And here's what I believe happens, friends. When we even begin to turn towards God, he comes running. I think he can read our body language, so when he sees us begin to pause and just begin to turn towards him, he comes running. Isaiah 65, God says, before my people even call, I will answer. So when you make the first little effort to turn to God, he comes running. Principle five, you've got to learn to walk with him on a daily basis. I think one of the great things that Adam and Eve got to experience was daily fellowship with God. God came daily into the garden and he walked with them, he talked with them, he spent time with them, but then the devil got involved and Adam and Eve sinned and, and they blew it and got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And God loved that daily fellowship with his children. Parents, you know what that's like. You love it when your kids, your grandkids, want to come talk to you and share with you about your, their day and what's going on. You love that. You cherish that. And you want to hear from them daily. First John 1 says, If we claim we have fellowship with Him, yet walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Do you understand what He's saying? If we claim that we are believers and Christians, but yet we walk in darkness, we are liars. Truth in menace. Last principle, number six, you've got to decide that you're never going to settle for anything less than a genuine relationship with Him. You know, we live in a world of imitations, of generic things, knockoffs. And, and some things you really can't tell a lot of difference, but there are some things you only want the genuine article, right? That you're not going to settle for the generic model, for the knockoff model. That you want the genuine thing. Let me tell you, if you were going to have heart surgery... And they were going to put in this pacemaker for you. You know, and this one cost $10,000, but you know, we can get this cheap generic knockoff made in somewhere, you know, and we can get it for about 40 bucks. You want the, the good one or the, you want the knockoff, the genuine? So if you want the genuine article for your pacemaker, your heart, why are you going to settle for something that's not authentic in your relationship with God. Tommy Tenney, I'm going to get back to, to him. He's the author of that book, God Chasers. I want you to, I'm going to read a little paragraph in his book as we're kind of closing up. And I, do, I agree with his thought here. He said, in all my reading and study of the Bible, I have never found a person mentioned in Scripture who really had a God encounter and then backslid and rebelled against God. Once you experience God in His glory, you can't turn away from Him or forget His touch. It's not just an argument or a doctrine. It's an experience. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I know whom I have believed. That means... 
Unfortunately, many people in the church would say, I know about whom I have believed. That means they really haven't met him in his glory. And he said, I believe one of the reasons why people flow out the back door of our churches as fast as they come in through the front door is they have more of a man experience and encounter with our programs than a God encounter with an unforgettable majesty and power of Almighty God. He said, what is needed are more Damascus Road experiences like Apostle Paul had. You see, once you have a genuine encounter with God, you're not going to settle for anything less. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sharing and his sufferings and become like his death. Do you want to know Christ like that? Do you know him like that? So here's the good news that I have for you today. We started with Jeremiah, and I'm going to come back to Jeremiah, where the Lord says, you will seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. Friends, you are not here by accident this morning. God brought you here today to tell you that I love you. I want to have a genuine relationship with you. I want to walk daily with you. And it's your way to respond to him. You see, he desperately wants to have that relationship with you. Do you?